Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Chelsea G. Summers, author of the debut novel, A Certain Hunger. Chelsea, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Sure. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your novel, A Certain Hunger, how would you describe the novel? So the elevator pitch is uh, Eat, Pray, Love meets American Psycho. Um, It's this memoir, you know, it's a memoir novel of a woman food critic who lives her life and kills and eats her ex-lovers. Much to my surprise, because I didn't think of myself as writing a horror novel, when I was writing it, uh, a lot of people have put it in the body horror, especially feminist body horror camp. So I would say if you're somebody who's squeamish about blood, not the book for you. If you're not, you'll probably really enjoy it. That's funny. I didn't realize that there was a subgenre of feminine body horror. Yeah, feminist body horror, like um, in terms of movies, think of the French movie Raw or Jennifer's Body or um, trying to think uh, the new um, the new television series about the women who are on Showtime who are uh, like stuck from a plane crash um, and end up eating, you know fellow right. travelers yeah so yeah it's a it's a thing it's a okay. thing great well do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write a certain hunger yeah um there were two actually the first was i was going to live in italy in 2011 and a facebook friend of mine was like oh yeah you can write your version of eat pray love i was like yeah i'll write love pray eat the feminist zombie novel that nobody ever asked for then i went to italy and i fell in love with a very cruel italian man as one does and uh, had my heart broken um and afterwards i was like uh, wow, thinking about Eat, Pray, Love and revisiting it. And I was, and so I kind of put those two things together and ended up with a certain hunger. <laughs> well, well, what was your writing journey that led you to writing your debut novel? So I had been in graduate school. Um, I did my PhD coursework and I was stuck at my dissertation. My field was 18th century British literature, which particularly for me, it was the earlier part. So it really was like the beginning of the novel. So a lot of, you know, Daniel Defoe and Afro Ben and a lot of fake memoirs. Um, because memoirs were already an established genre as a novel was hitting the ground. So novelists kind of took that idea and uh, ran with it. Um, and you had books like, <clears throat> excuse me, Maul Flanders and and um, and even like John Cleland's uh, Fanny Hill or Memoirs of a Woman of Pleasure um, that that took the the memoir and fictionalized it. Um, so I was, I was trying to write my dissertation and I was thoroughly unable to. And so I started a blog. This was the mid 2000s when blogs were a thing. (laughs) And it was uh, a blog with sex. There was a lot, a lot of sex. Like I kind of forbade my parents from reading it. 
Um, and, uh, and so that was my entry into getting published as an adult, um, mostly sex writing, but then it, it expanded into various journalistic enterprises. Then when I was in Italy the second time, also in 2011, and I started my novel, um, I kind of drew on those experiences. At the time, I was also working as a wine writer. So I knew I was pretty good at jumping the the um, physical experience into words barrier, you know, that kind of linguistic school that specifically goes along with um, describing physical experiences. And uh, a lot of people are very bad at that. And I happen to be kind of gifted at it. So I went with my strengths. And those were memoir and food writing, um, and also spite. I have long been driven by spite in succeeding at just about anything. Um, so uh, I started re- writing the novel in 2011, and then I shelved it for a while. In 2014, I was paid by my friend Molly Crabapple to help with to help her with editing her memoir, Drawing Blood, which was, you know, a, it's a really great book. And um, it's her journey into becoming a full-fledged supporting, you know, self-supporting artist. Um, and I was so struck by Molly's work ethic, by her ability to take suggestions that I'd given her and run with them and go beyond even what I had envisioned for her revision and to put the time into it and, uh, and all of that, that, you know, when I completed that project, I was like, all right, 2014, this is it. I am finishing my novel. It, and my mantra was, doesn't have to be good, it just has to be done. doesn't have to be good, it just has to be done. And so I used all of my free time, including my two-week vacation from work, and I finished the book. Um, and then, of course, it languished for another year or so before I revised it, and eventually I did, and then I found an agent. And after many, 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 many rejections, here we are. <laughs> And uh, I'm curious, I mean, since you, you emphasized the word mini, uh, what were some of the reactions that you were getting? So, yeah, so I got a, I got one rejection was that I was, and I quote, too good at writing gore. Um, and, and I wanted to like, like, I, you know, of course you can't go back and, and email the editor and be like, so are you familiar with the work of Chuck Palahniuk? Have you you know, have you ever heard of Brett Easton Ellis's American Psycho, which has been turned into a movie, a musical, a play, and has never been out of print? Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was it was very weird. A lot of it felt extremely sexist um, because my book is the protagonist is a self described. A psychopath who has very little self-editing and is not afraid to, you know, use extremely purple and often, you know, crimson prose, um, 
and uh, she's not afraid to to swear. She's not afraid to describe both her sex and her uh, homicide in excruciating detail. So um, it was, you know, it was, it was very weird to me that that it not only got so many refusals, uh, but also that so many of them seemed to be gender specific. Interesting. I'm I'm curious. You mentioned American Psycho several times. Did you have an interest in serial killers? And yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, like many women in the 2010s, you know, I got sucked into true crime. Uh, I was never a my favorite murder person. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 kind of the tenor of that discussion didn't appeal to me. But I was way into Snapped, which is a show on the Oxygen Network. I think it's still on. Um, And it's about women who kill. And for me, uh, you know, like there's, I've always had a in in indulging um my interest in true crime i always had a very queasy relationship because there are actual victims there are actual sure. people who are actually dead and and a lot of the, the the killers have experienced a tremendous amount of trauma and there's a lot of pain that goes along with it and it felt like you know um not everything that I was, con- you know, consuming, whether reading or watching or listening, was lacking in a moral center, but much of it was. And that made me feel very uncomfortable. And so in writing this book, one of the things that I brought to it was my discomfort with true crime and the way that, the you know, the the kind of the majority of ways that we see it, which is basically to erase the victims, to make the the perpetrator, especially serial killers, um, as a glamorous subject, um, to, you know, like enhance the profile of cops um, and the jurisprudence system, and all of those things I have issues with. So in writing Dorothy Daniels, my protagonist, um, I wanted somebody who was flawed and, you know, where you're, you're kind of running along and everything is, is fun and groovy. And then you, there's this one specific murder where you're like, oh, she's a monster. I get it now. This Mm -hmm. is, this is a monster. Um, and then on top of that, I had a, you know, as a, as a lifelong feminist, I also had a very... Uh, abiding interest in how we talk about crime as a gendered uh, thing and how, uh, you know, frequently women kind of either escape the notice as a, you know, as serial killers or, or as killers, or if they are, they get hyped in a very different way than, than men are hyped. So I also wanted to write about a uh, you know, a woman who's violent um, and has violent urges and acts on them. Um, because I think too often this idea of, especially in like second wave feminism of women being, you know, somehow more peaceful than men. And I don't, I I personally don't agree with that. And, um, and I, I wanted you know, also uh, finally to give an outlet for women like me who who liked, or you know, readers like me, not necessarily just women, who liked inhabiting 
the the violent narrative in a way that you know like one of the reasons why i like true crime particularly true crime that features women is that i get to identify with the criminals which is something that generally we don't get an opportunity to do as as female identifying consumers of of um crime narratives so yeah it was a you know like it was a kind of a a napoleon of um of or or a turducken of true crime interests When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, you mentioned earlier the the editorial rejections and what you've uh, described or, or felt was was uh, sexism and some of the responses. What has been the response since uh, a certain hunger has been published? Well, uh, you know, much as I'd expected, a lot of the readers tend seem to be um, female or female identifying, um, but. Uh, you know, it, like I really thought it would be one of those books that pi- people would either love or hate, like that there would be very few three stars, you know, on Goodreads. And I'm kind of surprised by the number of people like, yeah, it was, you know, it was okay. I'm like, really? It was just okay. You're supposed to love it or hate it. Like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> um, but there, there, uh, there are a bunch of people for whom um, it has really resonated, and uh, and honestly, those are the people I wrote it for. I wrote it for the weirdos who really needed to see um, a woman's rage on the page and to experience that kind of visceral release. Um it was a lot of fun to write Dorothy Daniels. It was a lot of fun to inhabit the mind and uh, the syntax of somebody who was so certain of herself and so utterly lacking in uh, remorse. Um, remorse for big stuff like killing somebody and remorse for small stuff like being rude. Um and it was deeply cathartic, and I had expected it to resonate with a certain slice of the readership. And I'm always profoundly grat- you know, grateful. And when I when I see somebody who, you know, really loves the book, that's great. Well, are you working on a new novel now? I am working on a new novel. It's um, it's very different. Um, I'm about, you know, I'm not that far into it. I'm about twenty thousand words in, uh, and it's um, it takes place in 1976. It's a few months at the, you know, kind of during the spring, early summer, um, and it's the, you know, I say it's less killy, more frilly, um, but you know, there there's lots of crimes. There are many crimes. That's great. Well, when you were working on a certain hunger, what was your writing process? Did you know when you sat down, um, had you outlined or plotted the novel or did you just kind of dive into the narrative and the Yeah, the, the latter. 
Yeah. Um, for me, uh, in writing this book, uh, I think that there are two basic kinds of novel writers. And those two basic kinds are architects, who are the people who draw it out and plot it, and they know exactly where the walls are going to go and what are the support beams and you know what the roof is going to look like and where the windows are. Um, and then there are explorers who kind of want to, you know, find that America-shaped continent, but they're not really sure how or where they're going to get there. And so there were a few beats that I knew I wanted to hit. Like there are a couple of um, visuals, images that had come to me that I knew I wanted to include, but I wasn't really sure how the whole narrative was going to hang together. So I, there were, you know, there were multiple moments of extreme, delightful discovery. Um, I had no idea that Emma was going to be a character. Emma is the best friend of, of Dorothy. I had, in writing it, you know, she kind of popped up and then all of a sudden she became, you know, important to me. And I didn't know that she was going to be there. Um, so yeah, it was a it was much more of a let's let's see what we're writing and figure it out as we as we go along. And uh and yeah, kind of it seemed to work out. Sure. Well well given your experience of writing a certain hunger and also the the other writing that you've done over the years, the blogging, et cetera, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels? Um, am I allowed to swear mildly here yes okay finish the bitch just yeah. finish it you know until you finish something even if it's bad you don't know what you have uh take that leap of faith um gird your loins hike up your skirts whatever it is that you know clothing metaphor you need to do pull on your boots you know tuck your shirt tails in and finish the bitch uh don't judge yourself as you're doing it um, try not to edit, although I I personally have a hard time with that. I always edit as I write. Um, but you got to finish the bitch because un- you have no idea what it is you're writing until you do. And it, it really wasn't until I finished the first draft of my novel that I realized, oh, it's a satire. I had no clue it was a satire. And honestly, it wasn't until after it come out and I saw it appearing on all these, you know, horror lists on uh, Goodreads that I realized that it was also a horror novel. And, uh, you know, like I had no idea that that was what I was writing. I just knew it was a a strange, difficult to categorize work of fiction that I deeply needed to write for me. Um, so, yeah, the, the the most important thing is is to to just finish the thing. And then once you finished it, you can figure out how you can make it good. That's great. Well, what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Um, so I'm currently in the middle of Maid Men, which is the, the, it's like the oral history of Goodfellas, the movie. And, uh, and of course it's made me rewatch the movie and it is amazing. Um, I love books about how specific movies get made, like the the Bonfire of the Vanities book, or mm-hmm. um, or like you know the kid stays in the picture, um, and it's it's great, and I really I really really loved it. A, 
a bunch of TikTokers had been likening my book to my year of rest and relaxation, some because they hated both of them and some because they loved both of them. So I read my year of rest and relaxation and I absolutely adored it. It was, it was, despite the fact that I knew what the ending was going to be about a third of the way through the book, uh, I loved it. I just, it was such an incredible world building and so, um, you know, it's the story of a woman who's basically depressed and grieving. And so she decides to sleep for a year and takes, you know, finds this completely unethical psychiatrist who provides her with ever more intense drugs and then things go horribly awry. Um, so it's a very, it's a very tight, small book where unlike, you know, my book where there's no world travel, um, it, yet it remains profoundly fascinating. I, and I really, I just loved that book. Um, and, uh, I'm trying to think, um, I read a lot during the pandemic. I read a lot about human made disasters. So I let, I read like the Chernobyl book. I read a couple of, uh, Eric Larson's books. Um, I read, uh, um, I don't know, a bunch of, just, you know, I read, uh, uh, the into the wa- you know, into thin air. Like, right. so, so there, there were a bunch of things that I read that were just about, you know, things going horribly awry and it seemed to make a lot of emotional sense. <laughs> that, that does make sense. So where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novel, A Certain Hunger? Um, I'm on Twitter, sometimes a little maniacally, but recently I've been tweeting a lot less. I'm on Instagram. Um, Twitter and Instagram are both Chelsea G. Summers. I have currently, although I rarely update it, a tiny letter, and that is the Furbelow, F-U-R-B-E-L-O-W, the Furbelow. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's... Oh, and I'm on TikTok on the real, I think it's the real Chelsea G um, or real Chelsea G. Yeah, I'm on TikTok occasionally. Mostly I just lurk. Gotcha. Well, again, we've been speaking with Chelsea G. Summers, author of the debut novel, A Certain Hunger. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Chelsea, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you so much. It was such fun. Yeah, it was fun. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.